Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast, your Atlanta Hawks podcast hosted by me, Boris Willoughby. In this episode of the podcast, we will talk about the Atlanta Hawks games against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics. Without any further ado, let's get right into it. The Hawks and Grizzlies played on March 13th, and the Grizzlies came in on a five-game winning streak, which was notable because they have traded Marc Gasol and Jaron Jackson Jr., their high lottery pick, isn't playing because he's injured. And so this is a very different team than the team that the Hawks lost to at the beginning of the season. And at the beginning of the season, the Hawks ran into the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies really just played extremely well. Garrett Temple, in particular, had an extremely strong game. The Grizzlies coming into Atlanta, Garrett Temple's been traded away. Marcus Gasol's now with the Toronto Raptors. He's been replaced by Jonas Valanciunas, and even former Hawk Tyler Dorsey is now on the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies came in riding that five-game winning streak, and the Hawks came in having won a game against the New Orleans Pelicans themselves. It was going to be interesting to see how the Hawks would uh, react to a team that's known for their grit-and-grind mentality and for really slowing down the game. And Since the All-Star break, the Hawks have had the highest points per game in the entire league, which has certainly been helped by being in not only one overtime game, but also another overtime game that went into four extra periods. This game was certainly going to be a contrast in styles, and it didn't dis- disappoint that, and it kind of turned into a giant blowout just from the beginning. The Hawks got out to a huge lead in the first quarter, and they ended up scoring 33 points in that first quarter and really never looked back. There were no lead changes in this game. The Hawks led from the beginning to the very end, and they outscored the Grizzlies in each of the four quarters. The only quarter that was really close was the fourth quarter where the Hawks outscored the Grizzlies 22-21. to In the fourth quarter, the Hawks had already scored 100 going into the fourth quarter. It was, it was full-on garbage time. But let's get into some of the performances that happened in this game and see how some of the young guys played. The highlight of the Hawks night had to be the play of Kevin Herter. He was 6-10 of 10 from the field, 4-6 of six from three-point land. He also had five rebounds and four assists for 16 points, and he was a game-high plus 35 on the game. John Collins had a monster double-double, 27 points and 12 rebounds. He was 11 of 17 from the field, 1 of 2 from three-point land. Just generally being, you know, he had some spectacular plays in this game. He was one half of the three-quarters court alley-oop that was just magnificent. Trey Young looking ahead as he does in games. Saw John Collins streaking to the basket in the third quarter and threw the ball up. And you have got to see the replay of this, but it was a full three-quarters of the court alley-oop dunk. Not to just only have one highlight in the game, there was another opportunity where Trey got the ball to John Collins and John went up for a dunk. The dunk got blocked and before he even came down, he threw up a little reverse shot and made it. And it was, I truly didn't know what had happened in real time. I had to go back and watch it and John gets blocked. It's a clean block and before he comes down, he's able to maintain his body control and and get the ball up on the basket and it falls and it was just a spectacular play Trey Young 
loses his mind and has his head in his hands after John put that down. But it was just a wonderful game for those two guys. And you can really see that Trey looks for John Collins and their pick and roll progression has been very good. There's a lot of slip screens. And when I say a slip screen, that means when John goes to, and it looks like he's going to set a screen for Trey's defender and instead of actually setting the screen he starts leaking to the basket before the screen gets there hoping that his player will kind of stay closer to Trey Young and he'll get an easy dunk and when he actually sets screens and runs rolls to the basket Trey and John have a very good connection on that and it was really good to see Trey John and Kevin all play well Trey had a great game it was kind of just like a ho-hum 22 points eight assists he was three of five from the three-point line and with Trey, you know that always means that there were a couple of them that were just deep threes. And an interesting thing about Trey, and something I've noticed as this season has gone on, is you sort of have to recalibrate your view on those really deep shots. As someone who grew up playing basketball, generally being down low in the post, and certainly if I'm taking a three-pointer, it was right at the three-point line. It can be really disorienting to see how far back Trey takes his three-pointers. In games that you're winning, it's fantastic. And it, it sort of is supremely demoralizing to the other team because they could be even playing good defense, but the player is you know, is shooting a shot that you're generally not coached to defend out that far, whereas Trey really makes it look easy when he hits those shots. But when the team is behind... It can sometimes feel like that shot is a desperation shot. One thing that it's really taught me is that I have that bias, and it's really the same shot either way. And it's one thing I've had to get used to just seeing. At the beginning of the season, I almost felt like Trey was a little bit of a front runner, just in the sense that when his team's ahead, he looks really good, and then when his team's behind, it doesn't look as good, especially those deep shots, because it's sort of a desperation move. He had a wonderful game. I mean, he was 3 of 5. His three-point shooting has really increased as the season has gone on. For him to have, you know, 22 points and 8 assists, and it sort of just be an afterthought when compared to the rest of these performances, such as those by Kevin Herter and John Collins, it really shows you how far Trey has come. Since the All-Star break, Trey has been a monster. He had his first professional triple-double, and he's averaged over 20 points uh, in the game since the All-Star break. As much as we all in Atlanta have thought that the Rookie of the Year competition was not closed, um, the rest of the uh, nation has started to take notice. As much as Luka Doncic may have had it locked up going into the All-Star break, Trey has made it at least a conversation, which is nice to see. He also, one big thing for him is he didn't have any turnovers in this game, which is huge. Trey's always going to have turnovers. Uh, it's just the nature of some of his passes. He's really trying to get other guys involved. And I think sometimes, especially later in the season, teams know that when he drives inside, sometimes he's not even looking for his own shot. He's really looking to pass the ball. They're starting to guard Hitman away where they're sort of giving him the layup and not allowing him to kick it out, which leads to some turnovers. But in this game against the Grizzlies, he was great and had no turnovers. To round out the young guys and sort of people that I'm paying close attention to, Torian Prince had a nice game. He was 6 of 11 for the from the field. He hit three three-pointers. 
had three rebounds, one assist, and one turnover, and 15 points, and was a plus 21. No one on the starting unit was below plus 21 on the game. Of course, that plus minus stat means that when each player is on the court, what is the difference in the score? So Torian was the low man on the starting unit. Seeing him get back into the starting lineup has been good. He has been very transparent about the fact that he noticed when he was out this season and he's been injured that the team did all right, that the Hawks played well. And you can see him still figuring it out where his place is on the court. Torian is so talented offensively. He is a really good three-point shooter and can be very strong going to the basket. And right now, and especially getting on to this Celtics game that I'll talk about later, it, it feels like Torian is just a step slow. You can kind of see his mind working as he's on the court, which is not what you want in general with a basketball player. You want them just sort of reacting, being uh, instinctual, and taking the open shot when it's there and making the drive when it's there. And right now, he'll get a pass and he'll sort of take a second to see if there should be someone open, should he pass it, or he'll make a drive into the lane and he's sort of being overly unselfish and passing it when I think he could finish a lot of those shots at the rim. But it has been encouraging that since the All-Star break, and especially since being inserted back into the starting lineup, that he has been conscious of how well the team has been playing without him, and he is trying to pass the ball more. He had one ridiculous pass from one side of the court to the other side of the court behind the three-point line to Vince Carter, and Vince hit a three. And that's a spectacular pass. I, I really think that when you have a point guard such as Trey, who gets everyone else involved in and makes spectacular passes himself, it kind of encourages other players to attempt to make those passes. It, certainly that passing becomes contagious because people know they're going to get the ball back even if they pass it. It was encouraging to see uh, Torian make that pass, and it was good that he had such a good showing in this game, and hopefully that will continue as the regular season goes. Another play in this game that has to be talked about is DeAndre Bembry had a steal a pick six, as they call it, that he got a steal at the top of the key and he was the only guy. There was no one between him and the rim on the other side of the court. And he threw down a spectacular 360 dunk. It just highlights a little bit of DeAndre's athleticism. He's a very instinctual player. He's very smooth and that can sometimes get him, get him into trouble. But I think it also uh, hides his athleticism. And he's really started to come on at the end of the season just defensively, and he had a couple of great steals in this game, and to see him throw down a 360 dunk was awesome. It was also very cool to see the Hawks were up at that point. Um, in the Celtics game, he had a similar knock away and dunk, and he had the basketball knowledge to know that the Hawks weren't up at that point, and he just threw down a, a normal dunk. It was cool to see Bembry play well and throw down that dunk. Alex Lynn also had a good game off the bench. He was 8 of 13 from the field, 2 of 5 from three-point land. He had eight rebounds, ended the night with 20 points and four assists. I get on Alex Lynn a lot. I think he can finish better than he does around the basket. I question sometimes why he brings the ball down low when he's around the basket and 
why he doesn't dunk it as much uh, as I think he should when he's right there. It's easy for someone who's six feet tall to question a seven-footer um, at the rim, but he had a wonderful game, and his four assists, he is a very good passing big man, and he's a willing passer, and we have some good cutters on this team. Bembry and Herter in particular are very good at cutting to the basket. Alex Lynn has two great qualities that passing and his screen setting are wonderful for young players so it was encouraging to see him have such a good game off the bench the only really notable performance from the Grizzlies was CJ Miles who came over to Memphis in the Toronto trade that sent Marcus Gasol to the Raptors CJ Miles was just a monster and really could not miss he was 8 of 12 from three-point land 11 of 16 overall and he had 33 points and I would not know where the Grizzlies would have been in this game had C.J. Miles not just been in fuego. Some team stats to think about in this game were the Hawks had 35 assists to only 11 turnovers. They did have 26 fouls in this game. When you compare those to season averages of only 25 assists per game from the Hawks, and they normally have 17.6 turnovers a game, it just is a really good showing for a young team when they can have so many assists and not as many turnovers. The Hawks have really gotten in trouble in these games that they've lost with the amount of turnovers and amount of fouls that they have. And they had too many fouls in this game. The 26 fouls is more than their season average of 23 per game. Um, and that 23 fouls per game is leads the league in a stat you don't want to be leading the league in. That really gives teams chances at easy points when you foul them they're getting to the free throw line the clock stopped there's no one guarding them it's a free throw it just it is very difficult to stay in games when you're giving the other team 10 or more opportunities to score points that you don't have if there was one bad thing about this game against the grizzlies it certainly was those fouls all in all, though, to see the Hawks really take care of business against a team and win a game without giving up the lead at all, without allowing the team to get back into it, was really impressive. And it caps a good start to the second half of the season, or at least the part of the season after the All-Star break, um, before they left on a little bit of a road trip. So the Hawks took a little bit of momentum going into this game at Boston on March 16th. Going into Boston's arena, having to play a team that's trying to find its position in the East and fighting for playoff seating, it's way different than playing a team that, although they had won five in a row, Memphis is trying to get a high draft pick. This game was a back-and-forth game that ultimately the Celtics ended up winning 129-120, to 120, but it was kind of a frustrating game because of how big a hole the Hawks dug themselves. The fight they showed coming back and that they were unable to take advantage of that comeback and get a win. It started, the Celtics really were on a hot streak starting a game, and they scored, I think, about 15 of the first maybe 22 points of the game. And the Hawks settled down, and going into the end of the first quarter, it looked like the Hawks were going to have the lead. Brad Stevens took a very... Nice timeout, 
to settle this team down after the Hawks had gained the lead and had some momentum. The Celtics came out and they really closed the first quarter well and ended up leading after one 43-36. And the Hawks really can't give up 43 points in the first quarter. They've had multiple of these 40-point quarters this season. And it's just hard to win a game when you give up that many points in one quarter. The Hawks didn't not score themselves. They played, They scored 36 points, which is a, a ton. But when you're giving up 43, and what especially hurt is where guys like Marcus Smart is hitting his three-pointers. Marcus Smart had a nice game. He didn't have a particularly great game. And he only was two of six from the three-point land. But I think he made his first two threes. And anytime you are playing basketball or any sport, kind of what happens at the beginning can really set the tone. And so after those first two threes, you had to guard Marcus Smart. And he used that to his advantage advantage, and ended up the game with nine assists, which was tied for team high with Kyrie Irving for nine assists. But getting down 43 to 36 after one quarter was rough. The Hawks settled down a little bit. They kind of would have been down more at halftime than they were, but Torian Prince had a big three-pointer as time expired. And going through the third quarter, the starters really did not do a good job of keeping the Hawks in the game. And it got down to be where the Hawks were down by as much as 25 points. Second unit came in and did a really good job of slowly getting the Hawks back into it. And a lot of that was really big three-time three-point shooting in that quarter. The Hawks only finished the game shooting 15 of 40 from three-point land, but a lot of their shots were when they were down by 25, and a lot of their shots came from Vince Carter, who just continues to show. I didn't talk about him in that Grizzlies game, but Vince Carter has been, I think, way more than the Hawks could have asked for when they signed him in this offseason. He is a guy that is completely unafraid to shoot the ball as soon as he gets it. He has a three-point shot. It's not a fast shot at all. He doesn't have some sort of Steph Curry-like release, or he can't get that shot off when he's guarded, but he knows how to get himself set up so that when he receives the ball on a pass, he's letting it go immediately. No hesitation whether a guy's coming out on him or not. And he was 4 of 6 against the Celtics. The second unit, I mean, I think it can just be shown in the plus-minuses of this game where Kent Bazemore was plus 2, Vince Carter was even for the game, which means when he was on the court, the Hawks and the Celtics played evenly. DeAndre Bembry was plus five. And Jalen Adams, the backup guard who's had to take Jeremy Lin's spot since he was bought out and went to Toronto, was plus 11. But those guys really kept the Hawks in this game. And the Hawks were able to take a 25-point deficit, get all the way back into it in the fourth quarter of the game, which was incredible. Unfortunately, they weren't able to close the game. They had a lot of turnovers, missteps once they tied the game that really did not allow them to take advantage of such a comeback that they had. But it was cool to see them have that fight and get back into this game. Um, To talk about some specific performances beyond beyond the ageless wonder that is Vince Carter, um, John Collins had a double-double yet again, 11 rebounds and 20 points. Trey Young had 26 points. Only four assists um, and four rebounds. And a big thing for him is he had six turnovers. Him and Kyrie Irving were really going back and forth. And one thing that was interesting is the Celtics really took it, made it a point to go after Trey on the defensive end of the ball. 
um, whether he was guarding Kyrie Irving, who would take him to the basket, or Marcus Smart, who would certainly try to post him up and take him to the basket. They were isolating whoever Trey got switched on to and making Trey have to guard. He had a couple possessions where uh, Kyrie Irving went right by him. But I will say for every possession where Kyrie went right by him, Trey went right at Kyrie Irving on the other end. He had a very good shooting night. He was 5 of 8 from three-point line, and he was 10 of 17 overall. Um, an underrated part of Trey's game that's getting a lot more attention now and should be getting a lot more attention is his floater game. Trey is a smaller guy on the court, and even though he's small, he is he's not slight. He, he's a smaller guy, but he's not slight. He uses that to get into the paint, and his floater game is extremely advanced for being a rookie player. And he's able to use that to get shots where you don't know if he's shooting a floater or if he's throwing a pass to Deadman or John Collins or another one of the young guys on the team. He had a great offensive game. The six turnovers is just brutal. Really what the Celtics took advantage of what were those turnovers. The Celtics had at least 15 more fast break points than the Hawks did. Some of that was the Hawks, when they had their fast point opportunities, did not take advantage. There were a couple in particular where John Collins missed a dunk in transition. DeAndre Bembry had a, a, a chance in transition and had the ball stolen. But the Hawks really did not take advantage of the opportunities in fast break that they got. And the Celtics really converted every time that the Hawks made a mistake and they were able to get out in the fast break. One interesting part of the Celtics team is the guy who had the greatest plus-minus on their team was Aaron Baines, a backup center. And Aaron Baines always gives the Hawks a hard time. I mean, I, it is insane. Of course, him having to go against John Collins or Dwayne Dedman, Aaron Baines is a very thick guy, legit seven-foot guy, and he wants to play physical. He only had five points. He also had four fouls. He hit one three, which was ridiculous and kind of kept the Celtics at like a five-point lead at the time, but he just goes around and sets good screens, knows where to be on defense, and is just a general pest. I'm not surprised that he ended up with that plus 18. It just seems like every time he's on the floor, he gives the Hawks a hard time. As much as the Celtics were utilizing whoever had the ball going after Trey on defense, they also were really trying to get Al Horford on John Collins. And John Collins had some good moments. He had a steal and one block on Al Horford. But Al Horford is a very good veteran player. And to see that be part of the Celtics' uh, attack was interesting to see. Uh, for the Celtics, it, of course, it starts with Kyrie Irving, who ended up with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. He just makes shots that no one else can make. He takes shots that no one else would ever take or should take. He shouldn't even take them. But it was just incredible to see Kyrie going after a young player like Trey when Trey's taking deep, deeper threes than Kyrie. I don't think Kyrie's used to really besides anyone other than Steph Curry taking those sort of shots on him. And uh, Trey was really able to give it to him on the other side, which was uh, very encouraging. One player who didn't play a long time was Gordon Hayward, who was in the game for only a minute, and he took a brutal screen from John Collins. I mean, his teammates did not give him any help, and he ended up kind of getting staggered by it and had to go down and went out and left the game and didn't come back. 
So it was a it was a clean screen from John Collins. Uh, Gordon just did not know it was coming. Celtics were able to win this game really on the back of Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, and Marcus Morris, who had a good game. I also thought, yeah, Jalen Brown ended up with 23 points, and he was just a guy the Hawks could not find in transition. There were a couple of just wide-open transition threes he got, and he's not in any sort of great three-point shooter, but he had wide-open shots, and he made them, and was 3 of 5 from three-point land, and it, like I said, ended up with 23 points. And frankly, I think he outplayed Jason Tatum, who he was playing behind. Um, I was not impressed with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum ended up with 18 points on 7 of 15 shooting. He was 0 of 2 from three-point land. And he just, it may be a, a recency bias thing, but he, this game, he, he very much looked like a wannabe Carmelo Anthony and that he was taking long twos. He was dribbling the ball a ton. Um, and I just really wasn't impressed by what he brought to the to the floor and and Jalen Brown's a guy the Celtics have so many ball handlers like Kyrie Irving Jason Tatum um Marcus Smart likes to have the ball in his hands and when you can have a guy like Jalen Brown who's okay not handling the ball and who's just gonna go to his spots on the floor whether it be in the corner for a three-pointer or making cuts to the basket it just helps the whole rest of the team whereas Jason Tatum's another guy that needs the ball in his hands um, but Jason Tatum had a, a nice game. He was the only person in the starting lineup for the, with the Celtics who had a zero plus minus. Um, so it's just an interesting thing to notice. It was great to see the Hawks come back, especially with, you know, DeAndre Bembry on the floor and, and that second unit. Um, and I think the Hawks are trying to find a second ball handler. Jalen Adams certainly is coming on in the absence of Jeremy Lin, and it has gotten better as he's gotten more playing time. But between Torian, DeAndre, and Kent Bazemore, they have to get one of those guys to really be able to handle the ball and not only drive chaotically into the lane and lose the ball for a turnover. The Hawks had 17 turnovers against the Celtics. As I talked about with the Grizzlies, that's right on their average for the season which is worst in the NBA nobody in that second unit had a ton of turnovers Bembry had one Vince Carter had one Baysmore had zero but the starters like I said Trey had six Kevin Herter had three and John Collins had three it's just tough to win a game when you're playing a team that's so good at converting those turnovers into points and also when you're giving a team um, 37 free throw attempts. The Celtics were 28 of 37 at the free throw line. Um, the Hawks were 19 of 24. I mean, that's a 13, just 13 shots that the Celtics got just because of how many fouls the Hawks had in this game. They had 25 to the 21 of the Celtics. 13 is just a number. The, the Hawks ended up losing this game by nine points. I know that one point of emphasis in this offseason for Coach Pierce is certainly going to be the fouls because, frankly, it's untenable for a team to foul this much and expect to win. As encouraging as it was for the Hawks to fight back from a 25-point deficit to tie it in the fourth quarter, you just make it that much harder when some of that is you turning the ball over a lot and giving the other team easy baskets or you fouling a team and giving them free throw attempts. So as... Um, great as it was to get 
uh, wire-to-wire victory over the Grizzlies. I think it was a good little wake-up call going into Boston and having to play a playoff-caliber team in the Celtics and to see where the team's at. And although the Hawks weren't able to get a win, that fight from the second unit, getting some really good minutes from the young guys, other than John and Trey... Torian had kind of a rough game. He was 5 of 13. I thought he was especially a little hesitant in this game. He ended up with 17 points, but he also was a team low, minus 17 in the game. Uh, Kevin Herter, after a great performance against the Grizzlies, was 4 of 13 and only 2 of 8 from 3. Um, he had 5 rebounds and 3 assists, uh, but only had 10 points. And just getting some kiss- consistency from Trey and Kevin as the season winds down, will be huge. But I thought between the two games, the Grizzlies game and the Celtics game, you got to see the Hawks go against two different teams that are trying to do different things. One in the Grizzlies who are starting to play young guys and see what they have after this trade with Marcus Gasol and also trying to get a good draft pick. You're playing the Celtics who are trying to get a good seed for the Eastern Conference playoffs. And the Hawks had one really good game and they had one game where they it wasn't a bad game they just weren't able to close it out um and uh we'll see where the rest of the season takes them hopefully trey kevin torian bimbry can continue to learn even jalen adams and continue to get better uh, and really use the rest of the season as a way to get ready for the off season and be a launching pad into uh, 2019-2020. Um, but that is my wrap-up for the Atlanta Hawks games against the Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics. I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast or if you haven't, uh, please leave a review Uh, on whatever platform you're using to listen to the Kettlecast. It helps a lot. All of my stats are taken from nba.com slash stats and also basketball reference. Two great resources if you're looking to get into any of the analytics of the NBA. Um, Another wonderful site is Cleaning the Glass. Um, And without that, I will talk to you next time.